start this morning. Pretty basic stuff. Why do we gather on a regular basis and do the things we do? Did you ever ask yourself that? Why do we even get up on Sunday morning and go there and do what we do? I mean, no. Why does the Lakes Region Vineyard Church even exist here in Laconia? Somebody had a vision. Yeah. What should I, as an individual, attached to this community, expect from the church? What should the church expect from me? These are, these are valid questions, and I would encourage you to ask yourself these questions on a fairly regular basis, you know, not every day or every week, but you know, during the year, especially in times of change, right? Change ahead. We could just leave that thing up there. Change ahead. In his book, Total Church Life, Dr. Daryl Robinson suggests that there are three essential purposes for the existence of the church. They are listed as the three E's. Three E's. Exalt, equip, and evangelize. Now, this is Christianity 101, right? This is as basic as it gets. The foundational and fundamental purposes of, for the existence of Lakes Region Vineyard Church here in Laconia, New Hampshire, are to accomplish these three objectives. And yet, as simply as they may be stated, they are, in actuality, as complex and diverse as each individual seated here today. You're all going to play that out differently. As primary to our existence as a local body of believers as they may be, yet in their scope and impact on our individual's lives, they become all-encompassing. To exalt the Lord. To exalt the Lord. To equip the saints. And to evangelize, now get this, to evangelize the world. Wow. Huh? Wow. Just think of the scope of that. We're going to take a look at the first two of these three basic purposes because unless you are doing the first two, you will never do the third. Hopefully we'll come away with a clearer understanding of who we are and why we are here. First purpose is to exalt. The first purpose for which the church exists is to exalt the Savior. I thought we did that wonderfully uh, in a couple of the songs selected for the worship set this morning, don't you? I think the Lord was lifted up. He was exalted. Right? This is absolutely fundamental to every believer, and it is what allows the church to be the church. If you're going to a place on Sunday morning and they are not exalting Jesus, you are not in church. Okay. <laughs> An echo in this place. <laughs> Outside of heaven itself, there is no other place that exists besides the church where the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is exalted. There's only two places where that happens, in heaven 
and in church. What's that say to us? It's really important. It is what makes the church the church. It is our great and high distinctive. The Westminster Catechism states, man's chief and highest end is to glorify God and to fully enjoy him forever. Hmm? Play that around in your noggin for a while. Did I tell you I went into a trance at Gethsemane? Inside the Church of All Nations, about 30 Aramaic monks came in. They began to chant. I went into a trance. It was like I was suspended in their voices in midair and had a vision. It was awesome. They were exalting. I don't know what they were singing because it was in Aramaic. But I know they were exalting the Lord because, boom, I was gone. Right? I was somewhere between heaven and earth, right? Isn't that the place we're supposed to be? Let your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. Aren't we supposed to be suspended in that tension, right? How do you get you? Exalt him. You begin to do what heaven does in his presence, and his presence comes because his presence is where he is exalted, Really, really important stuff. Psalm 99.9 says, Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill, for the Lord our God, and we sang it this morning, is holy. He is holy. And worship. There's a clear distinction between exalting and worshiping. Exalt is to raise high, to elevate. To elevate in power, wealth, rank, or dignity as to exalt one to a throne, to elevate with joy or confidence as to be exalted with success or victory, to elevate in estimation and praise, to magnify, to praise, to extol. Wow. We did all of that this morning for Jesus. Exaltation is the act of raising high. Now listen to what Jesus promised in John 12, 32. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. So exaltation is to lift up. When I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. It is distinctly connected to evangelism. When we exalt him, we are empowered with his word to give out his word. There is a drawing that takes place in exaltation. So when was he lifted up from the earth? On the cross, of course, from the grave, right? And when he ascended up into heaven, he died to give man salvation. He rose from the grave to give man life, and he ascended into heaven in order to give gifts to men. Ephesians 4, 8 says this, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive. There's good news, right? And gave gifts unto men. All of this happens in exaltation, in the lifting up on high of Jesus Christ. You want to know what your gifting and calling is? Exalt the Lord. Spend time in his presence. Listen, I can't buttonhole you with that. I can't put a gifting on you. I can't give you a calling. He does that. 
when you exalt him, when you extol him, when you're in your presence and he touches your life and all of a sudden you realize, this is my purpose. This is my purpose from heaven's point of view and it's come to me here on earth. It happens in exaltation. After he was lifted up into heaven, he sent the gift of the Father, the Holy Spirit, on the day of Pentecost. And that's coming up pretty soon, right? 3,000 souls were added to the church. 3,000 souls in a matter of minutes. So here's the process. Jesus is exalted. He's lifted up. He, in turn, gives gifts or equips the exalters and empowers their exaltations to draw others to him, evangelism, so that they, in turn, become exalters who then equip and empowers to reach others, and on and on and on and on it goes. It's a process. It's the basic process of Christianity. Acts 2.46, and continuing with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they shared food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. See, they were being church, and God was building it. But it gets even better, because as we learn to exalt the Lord in every situation, he not only adds to the church, but he also unifies and prospers the church. By the way, hold your mirror up. Go ahead, put your mirror up. Say this, I am the church. It's not this building, it's you. So when I say that, that he... He unifies and prospers the church. I'm talking about you. As you exalt, the Lord begins to pour into your life, right? Acts 4.29, and now they're at it again. This is the apostles talking about the world around them. Take care of their threats, O Lord, and give your servants fearless confidence in preaching your message as you stretch out your hand to us in healings and miracles and wonders done in the name of your holy servant Jesus. What are they doing there? They're exalting Jesus, right? To the Father. To the Father, they're exalting Jesus, your holy son, Jesus. And while they were praying, the place where they were meeting trembled and shook. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak God's word with fearless confidence. The whole congregation of believers was united as one, one heart, one mind. They didn't even claim ownership of their own possessions. No one said, that's mine, you can't have it. They shared everything. The apostles gave powerful witness to the resurrection of the Master Jesus, and grace was on all of them. And so it turned out that not a person among them was needy. See, God prospered them. Exalting the Lord not only adds to the church, it also unifies and prospers the church. Purpose number two, to equip. This is out of the uh, RSV version, Ephesians 4.10. He who descended is he who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And his gifts were that some should be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? To equip the saints 
So Jesus gives his gifts to the church to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Can you wrap your head around that? The measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the cunning of men, by their craftiness and deceitful wiles. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every joint with which it is supplied, when each part is working properly, makes bodily growth and upbuilds itself in love. So we are... We are the church, which is what? The body of Christ. So think of this. We are not, what would you say, this? 60 people in this room? At this moment in time, we are not 60 people in this room. We are the body of Christ. He is the head. His thoughts, his desire, his gifts, his purposes can all be expressed by himself through his body. That means each part has a role to play, a function in the body. You don't belong to yourself anymore. You are attached to Christ. You function from the mind of Christ. You give from the heart of Christ. You bless from the holiness of Christ. You see, you are the body of Christ. Look in your mirror. I am the body of Christ. Own it, will you? <laughs> yeah. So what does it mean to be equipped? According to the Pastor Dick book of interpreting simple words into complex explanations, to equip the act of providing whatever is necessary in order to accomplish whatever needs to be accomplished so that a desired goal might be reached. Should I say that again? <laughs> to equip the act of providing whatever is necessary in order to accomplish whatever needs to be accomplished so that a desired goal might be reached. According to Webster's 1828 dictionary, equip properly to dress, to habit, hence to furnish with arms. Equip is a state of warfare or a complete suit of arms for military service. Thus we say to equip men or troops for war, to equip a body of infantry or cavalry. But the word seems to include not only arms, but clothing, baggage, utensils, tents, and all the apparatus of an army particularly when applied to a body of troops, hence to furnish with arms and warlike apparatus as to equip a regiment, to equip the saints, to arm the saints, to make ready for warfare. Put on what? The whole armor of God. You know what? You can't do that by yourself. 
You need someone to help you put on your armor. Some pieces you can do alone, and some you can't. Okay? Together, together we can be fully equipped for the warfare that is at hand. And, and if you don't think there's warfare going on, you need to get deeper into things. Right? Plenty of it. The Greek word used in Ephesians 4.12 and translated equipped by the Revised Stand Version, Standard Version confirms both of these interpretations, but the Greek word kataratismos, Strong's number 2677, as used in its biblical application, has a secondary translation available as used in the King James Version. Ephesians 4.12, King James Version, it says, for the perfecting for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And as Robinson's word pictures defines the verse, and especially the word katarismos, it literally means for the mending or repair of the saints. For the mending or repair of the saints. So you had a new pair of... Um, Hiking sandals, right? Were you the one that got the blister? Who got the blister? Was that you, Fran? Fran. Fran had new hiking sandals on our trip to Israel. Somewhere along the way, he got a blister from them new shoes. You had to have them for where we were hiking. So he had to dress his wound in order to equip his body to accomplish the task at hand. Right? It's hard to put on the armor when you're chafed and wounded because it's rough when you got armor on and you're in the battle and you're in the fight. And if you've already got stuff going on, if you've already got wounds, if you're already broken, if you're already hurting, the armor isn't going to do what it's supposed to do. It's going to do you harm. So it isn't just equipping, it's perfecting, it's repairing. This is what God wants us to do as the body of Christ in unity. And this makes perfect sense when we read the words of Jesus and his explanation of the purpose of the anointing of the Holy Spirit working through his life and ministry in Luke 4.18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, this is Jesus speaking, right? Now, this is, this is his inaugural address to the world. Hey, folks, I'm here, and this is why. So this is God in the flesh, Emmanuel, right? He could have said anything he wanted. He could have explained any part of his purpose. But this is what he chose to say. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to who? The poor. He hath sent me to heal who? The brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to who? And recovering of sight to who? To set at liberty them that are what? To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. You see, he came to repair. He came to repair so that he could equip. It's all wrapped up in the same word. And it's what he's calling us to do. 
equipping the saints, although not exclusive of what we would normally consider as equipping ministries such as, say, Sunday school or Bible schools, Bible study groups, small groups, schools of evangelism, intercessory prayer, training seminars, or as one recent event offered in their flyer, inspirational speakers, relevant workshops, leading-edge resources, and spiritual refreshment. Right? And all of those things are fine. But equipping must also be inclusive of the other elements of charitismos. The saints of God need mending. We need repair. We need soothing. We need comfort. We need healing. We have come out of a broken world as broken vessels. And our lives need repair. Now, if someone uh, somehow has convinced you that once you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, your need for all of that stopped, or when you were filled with the Holy Spirit, you became instantly perfected, <laughs> that would be nice. I want to burst that nasty little bubble today so that we can move on to some legitimate equipping. Okay, simple test. I want you to turn to someone near you, someone that knows you. If you've got a husband or a wife, a brother or a sister nearby, all right, turn to them. And I want you to ask them this simple question. Is there one thing in my life you would be willing to pray and ask the Lord to change in me? They don't have to tell you what it is. Just would you, would you go ahead and do that? Go ahead. <laughs> See that? You already know, right? <laughs> right, so what, so what am I saying? We all got stuff. We all got stuff, right? I got stuff. You got stuff. And the more intimate we are with one another, the more we know we, we've got stuff, right? But we don't need to know we've got stuff so that I can beat you up with that or hold you hostage with it or blackmail you. That's not the purpose. The purpose is so that I can equip you, so I can mend you, so I can be part of your healing process, so I can represent Jesus in this part of the body to that part of the body. You know, sometimes you can't reach down and put a Band-Aid around your, your own toe. You've got to ask someone, hey, could you put a Band-Aid over, the, over that blister for me so I can put on my armor? so I can do what I've been called to do. You see, if we are honest, we all need work, and we need to be involved in each other's process of healing, bottom line. If we're not exalting the Lord together, if we are not equipping one another, then we will never effectively evangelize the world we inhabit together. And run that to the uh, got to turn the volume way up when you do. The way we think about the process, the biblical truths and principles. Last week, Pastor Eric reframed the way we think about our own condition giving us permission to be okay about not being okay. Hmm? How many feel okay about that? (laughs) 
right? That was good. That was excellent. Uh, I think it was a monumental moment as we start our grow groups and expand our ability to do the work of ministry. Be assured there is a major paradigm shift taking place here at LRVC. With lots of changes taking place, and I am sure that many of you have questions or will have questions that need answering. In fact, we are so sure that we, we are working on a summer sermon series based on why questions. We're going to help you all get your answers as to why are we doing this? Why do we need to do that? Okay. Questions of change and transition. But in the meantime, know this, the air is full of the seed of the word. And it wants to take root in our lives, both corporately and individually. In order for us as a church to remain relevant and even cutting edge as this change takes place, we must be equipped. Not with mere information, but with life-impacting, life-changing, life-challenging ministry empowered by the Holy Spirit who has given to us an abiding anointing that is capable of breaking every yoke. The thing I really, really uh, like and was impacted by with the grow groups was the fact that every week it's going to end in ministry time, in ministry time. Listen, if you're facilitating a grow group, do not step over that opportunity to minister to one another. You have no idea what the Holy Spirit can do in those sacred moments. Give agreement to him and step into it. And we're going to do that today. The saints of the Most High God fully equipped to do the work of ministry. And it starts with the equipping of the saints in the body of Christ. I'm going to ask you to stand with me.